Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We are passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We would love to chat with you online or on social media. Visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and today I have literary agent Blythe Daniel on the show, and she's going to be speaking about taking courageous steps to seek relational healing. And Blythe, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Jennifer. I'm so excited to join you today. Blythe is a literary agent and a marketer with more than 20 years experience in publishing. She's written for Proverbs 31 Ministries, Focus on the Family, and Viscamp, Christian Retailing, and she links bloggers with readers through her agency's blog network. She's the daughter of Dr. Helen McIntosh, who co-authored her latest release, and she lives in Colorado with her husband and three children. Well, I asked Blythe to join us after reading her book, Mended, A Courage to Pursue Relational Healing. And it takes readers just through a journey of personal evaluation and through healing, healing of relationships. And it really outlines, like that outlines a lot of what you and your mom, the journey you guys went through, correct? That's right. It is. It is the journey that my mom took with her mom and gaining healing, even though her mom never asked for her forgiveness. So that was an intentional pursuing of healing on my mom's part. And then how we as mother and daughter um, pursued healing in our relationship and just really in our family line. And so I love that you'd love to talk about healing because it's so important for us to be healthy and to pursue healing. So I, I love this topic. Yeah, I think it is important. I think a lot of us really long for biblically sound grace-based content and my daughter and I went through a rough patch in her late teen, early adult years. And I remember just searching for sound material and I really struggled to find some. And I really think it was actually God's gift to me that you and I, we, we had a conversation and next thing I know you handed me this book and I've referenced it a lot actually. And I've, I've mentioned it to others, but I think a lot of us are looking for tools to help us to really build into our most cherished relationships and, and to bring healing in areas of imperfection and in areas of hurt, whether that's with our children, with our parents, with our siblings and our spouses. And so for our listeners who are trying to navigate broken and estranged relationships, today's episode, it'll act like something of a continuation or the next concurrent step. If you listen to episode 32 titled the courage to reconcile. So hopefully this will provide some next steps for those relationships. And then for, for those of you who are just like, you know what, we've got some underlying tension in our relationship. I just don't understand. And I'm not sure what to do it. Then hopefully we'll just give you some things to think about and maybe some tools to kind of process through. So Blythe in your book in mended, your mom began her story by discussing some of the pain from her past, which involved taking an honest look at her past hurts and her family dynamics and how both of those things impacted her present. And I imagine that took courage. It did. And, you know, she was pursuing a degree in counseling when some of these things came up for her that she realized that she had not necessarily looked deeper and, and she became a Christian when I was born. So, um, 
that just drove her to scripture. And then she was getting the counseling background. And so it really, God had used her background so that when she became a counselor, she really could identify with some of the brokenness and some of the things that children and adults go through that, that you need to address. And so from a biblical standpoint and a, an educational standpoint, she really, really had a lot of courage to go. And, and really, I mean, she would say too that, and, and maybe some of the listeners would agree that out of our pain, it, it typically can propel us to gain health. It can, because we've experienced something hard, it can, it can actually be the path that we choose for a career or to start a ministry. And so, you know, I just think there's so much that we can learn, but it takes courage to go there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think just to the perseverance, probably to work through it. And I think we all, even those of us raised in healthy and loving homes, we tend to react from past hurts and from past experiences. And, and sometimes our behavioral patterns are healthy like when our parents modeled effective conflict resolution skills, but other times it can be really unhealthy. Like if we maybe learn to avoid tough issues, to people please, to speak words of criticism rather than life. And I loved your quote on page 29. I actually highlighted and underlined it. And you said, living your present like you did your past is often limiting the joy of freedom that is yours through the work of Christ. So unpack that a little for me. You know, I think that what I recognized is that we can be really limited by our past and we can stay there, but there has to be this intentional shift that Jesus has provided for us to love people the way that he loved. And that if we don't take that intentional shift, we can just follow the trajectory of our family patterns. And so there really needs to be this conscious decision to say, you know what, I don't have to live in a family or direct my own current family the way that I was parented or the way that I wasn't parented. And so it does take some hard choices to to lay down what either happened or didn't happen in your family and how love was either expressed or not expressed to you. Um, And so what I really wanted to share with that was just that we aren't supposed to just muscle through that. We can receive this ability to love others based on how Jesus loves us. And he's given us that ability to care deeply for others. Um, In fact, I was just reminded again, as I was reading scripture that we are to love our neighbors and we're to think more highly of others more than ourselves. And that is a tough pill to swallow sometimes, isn't it? Of just like honoring other people, even when they've wronged us, we are still to honor them um, and, and to love them the way that Jesus did. And it doesn't mean that the things didn't happen, that those hard things didn't happen, but, but scripture is really clear about considering others even more than our own needs. And so I think that's what we're doing in a relational health situation is to go, I know that this happened. And I know that this person has needs that I can't meet, but I know that I'm to love them as best I can and ask Jesus to take over and give me what I need to be able to express love. Um, And sometimes it's even choosing to forgive that person, even if they don't ever ask your forgiveness, which is also tough to do, but helpful. Yeah. Tough and freeing at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think many times we don't even realize some of our ineffective and, and maybe even harmful behavior. So the other night I was speaking with someone from a rough background who had learned to say what needed to be say, 
to be said growing up in order to kind of survive the situation. And so then as an adult, she was trying to have strong, healthy relationships and finding that this, this behavior that worked really well, that kept her safe and helped her survive in this situation was causing problems later. But sometimes it takes time to kind of unpack and to even recognize that we're, that we're doing those things. It does. And, you know, one of the most courageous statements that I have said to even my children is where do you see that I've hurt you or where do you see that I could do this better? Because I know that this doesn't feel good right now for either of us. And, and then to, to receive their words back in a spirit of, I know that I can do better here. And I know this doesn't feel good. And I think sometimes just acknowledging that things don't feel good between you. It's just really healthy um, my mom as a counselor has, has shown too, just that it's really healthy to address what's taking place to like just saying our relationship just doesn't feel good. And as you referenced earlier, Jennifer, the, our relationship feels like it, there's something strained or we're just not quite right. Cause it tells the other person that, Hey, I know things aren't as good as they could be. Um, but I want to go ahead and just recognize this and then let's work towards how can we make it better? Just simply acknowledging that is something that I've learned from my mom because none of us are perfect and we don't do relationships perfectly. So it's such a a lesson in humility, isn't it? To go before another person and admit that we didn't do something right or uh, that we didn't act the way we wanted to act. Where can we, where can we go from here? What can we do to make things better? Yeah. And I think that's even inviting, we all have our own perspective as well. Like I know when, when my daughter and I began unpacking some of the tension and and issues between us, we had hurts that neither one of us intended and, and that, that we had kind of interpreted through our own lens and we had to talk about that. And sometimes it does feel frightening in the moment because you're like, well, I didn't mean to do that. Or, you know, that's just the way I am or, and, and so just having the courage to pull back and say, well, I want to hear not always what my intent was, but how you received it. I love that you're, so how old are your kids actually, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, absolutely. So my daughter, my oldest is 13. And then I have boy girl twins that are 11. So we're at this really critical age of, of them starting to be more independent and having to take more ownership of their thoughts and their actions and mom not step in and try to solve those things for them. Um, But as I watched the way that my mom was treated when she was this age, you know, that age, um, it, she was very much ridiculed and very much felt like she didn't have what it took to be a young adult. And I don't want to communicate that to my kids that they need me to make decisions for them or that they aren't able to do things well. And so a big thing that we've been working on is just how do we handle mistakes? How do we handle when something didn't go right in their schoolwork or their personal life with a friend or And then what role do I play in that? Because as they get older, I'm letting that rope out, right? Further and further. And those times can be tension filled, you know, well, I just expected you to do that. I can say to that to them, but they haven't learned those skills yet. So it's a tricky time to communicate, but I'm a relationship person. I know you are too, Jennifer. Relationships mean the world to me more so than anything else that I do or that I'm about. And so if a relationship feels um, 
you know, full of just awkwardness or there's tension there, it just crumbles my heart. And I have to learn how to not let that control my thoughts or my day, how my emotions around that, uh, because I, I love and I value relationships so much, but I can't let those things determine, you know, my outlook for the day or my outlook in life. I think it was maybe your mom who wrote that said, we're responsible for bumping someone else's cup, but we're not responsible for what spills out. And I think that can be super confusing knowing that line. That's so true because when my mom when her mom would get angry at her, she would say, you make me so mad. And the truth was whatever happened between them, it was what my grandmother came spilling out of her, uh, the figurative cup. That was really the issue. It wasn't my mom. Mom might've said something or done something that caused her to stir. But, you know, we're only responsible for what comes out of our hearts, what comes out of our mouths. And if someone tells us, you know, this is your, you made me this way, or you did this to me. And And so we really are only called to take responsibility for our thoughts and our actions and words. And that's hard to do, as you said, because as Christians, oftentimes we can say, well, that's just not loving of me to just say that I'm only going to take responsibility for my thoughts. You know, I should be loving her and taking ownership of the person because that's how Jesus, he met others and he loved them through everything. And, and yet we know that that can lead to some real codependent relationships, which we also talk about in the book Mended, because we don't want to go too far to the other side where we're taking on that person's issues and making them ours and trying to fix them, which is so dangerous and so, so hard to refrain from, you know, trying to be their fix it person. But, but we want to be in charge of our relational health and there's things we can do to move closer to someone else, um, a mother, a daughter, sister, father, whoever it may be, but we can't take on those things that only they can deal with. And so um, what I like to do with that is to really ask God to help me. Like, and I'll sometimes even say, God, I give this person to you. I hand them over to you because then I recognize that I'm not holding on to that person or holding on to that relationship too tightly. If I can freely say, God, I'm going to give them over to you. And I ask that you fill in those gaps and you take them further. You take care of them. I can't do that. And that helps me to do that literal um, handing over to God. That's a great idea. And, you know, I, I wonder too, so as your mom just went through her unraveling, did she ever share what that was like for her? Like just the, the inner, I want to say inner turmoil as she's kind of going through her own journey and, and unpacking some of the things she experienced. Did she ever share any of that with you? She did. And I think a lot of it was the verbal attacks of you can't do anything right. You can't even cut up lettuce, right? You can't even wash the lettuce, right? You know, you're no good. Why are you wearing that? Like it was a lot of verbal put downs. And so as a young girl, she just internalized that thinking that there was something horribly wrong with her, that her mother couldn't love her for who she was. And so as she got older, you know, her mom liked things a certain way. And if my mom didn't if mom veered from that path, you know, her mom would just rage. And what that told me as a young girl witnessing some of this was that there was a certain way of doing things. And I probably had some level of fear of the future. Like if this is happening now, what would things look like in the future? Is this going to be our future? What will my family look like? My, my parents, my brother and I like, will this be the pattern that we experience for the rest of our lives? 
And, and so I think there's a certain level of, we just need to go in and say, I don't have to experience what I've seen other family members experience. Like I can start new right where I am today. I don't have to adopt those behaviors. And so my mom was really careful with my brother and I growing up that she would come to us and say, you know, things like, I I know that we didn't get off on the right foot today. And I don't want that to, to stand between us. Can you please tell me where you think that I went wrong and what I said? Like she, she asked for feedback so that she could make, make better, whatever had happened between us. And I love that approach because it's, it's not a verbal put down. It's an invitation to conversation to say, Hey, where did things go wrong? I can tell that things didn't start off the right way today. Where could we have gone differently? And I just think that's so important for either another adult or a child or a sibling to hear your heart of wanting to look at how things could go better instead of accusing and saying, this didn't go well. And you did this and you did that. You know, it's so healthy, I think, to be able to have this invitation to just explore where you are in your relationship. And that's really the heartbeat of our book Mended is to do those invitation, invitation type conversations. That's awesome. Well, did that ever feel, so as you guys were kind of just working through those things, did you ever worry that maybe, okay, if I, if I kind of poke at this thing here, things are going to just kind of blow up. Like sometimes I think it's hard in relationships. One of the reasons we don't address the underlying tension or those hard things is we're maybe afraid of, of, I don't know, tipping the boat or, or, or we don't know what's underneath the tension. And maybe we're afraid of, of unleashing what we don't know exists. I think you're right. I think that sometimes it's hard to be honest with ourselves because we sense some sort of shame that I should have done this, or I could have done this better, or I'm somewhat responsible for how my mom or my dad or my husband or whoever it may be, how they're responding to me. I'm, I'm to blame. So we take on a false sense of shame um, when really maybe we bumped their cup and what came out was their issue, but we somehow took it to be our issue, our issue. So I think sometimes there is that sense of, I, I have some responsibility in this and I feel shame over it. Or like you said, so I think sometimes it's hard to be honest with another family member or, you know, a close friend that, that you have some sense of tension with, because we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to see what's underneath because we fear that maybe things would just get even worse. And I hear a lot of times women say, I don't think I can even go talk to my mom because things are already bad and it could just explode. And so there's a sense of like, I've, I've learned to, to deal with where things are, even though it's very uncomfortable. And I fear that if I go further and try to address things, it could just get even worse. And, and that's a difficult place to be. And I would say to the person that's in that place, you know, we don't have to solve every issue. When we go towards the other person, we can just simply start with, I know things aren't the best between us right now. What would you, what do you think it looks like for us to have a better relationship? Like you could even go to the most recent exchange that you've had with someone and you don't have to go back years and years to every single thing and name it, but starting where you are today. um, You know, one of the, one of the conversations that we have, we offer some conversation starters in our book and you know, one, one way to address this is to even say, um, I want us to have a good relationship, 
but we do have a problem that I believe that we can make a repair. You know, what, what do you think we need to do to make things better? So just acknowledging that you want to have a good relationship. There is some brokenness there. And by asking the other person, you know, what do you think we could do to make things better? It's giving them a chance to speak first and, and give some input on that. So I think there's a way to move towards the other person, even when there's years and years of history and, and probably dysfunction or disagreements. And we have to remember that we don't have to go back and address all of that. We can, and it's really healthy to just go in and just admit that things are tight. Things are difficult. Um, and start from there. I think that that seems less overwhelming. And I think it's really good for the other person because we don't, they don't want to hear all the things and dredge all that back up. Um, and I think there'll be time later on to address more specific things, but it's, I think, healthy to start where you are. And I like one thing your mom said as well about when you don't know what to say, just saying, hey, I don't know what to say here. And I think that sounded very freeing. Like you're not avoiding the problem. You're not presenting a false picture of health because that doesn't feel feel right. But but you're also not forcing yourself to address something that maybe you haven't fully processed through. So I thought that was a really great way to kind of hit pause. And you know, one thing I was thinking as you were talking to, sometimes I think we're afraid to have those conversations because we place judgment on our feelings. And I'll, I'll give you an example. So my daughter's 23. She's newly married. She was an only child growing up and she and I are super close and just a lot of transitions that she's working through. And our family has adjusted and our family has just had a, a lot of adjustments overall as well that have impacted her. And I was sensing in her I was just sensing, I guess, again, just some of that tension, not really necessarily like we had any issues, but there was just something I could sense. And so we we're having a conversation and I noticed her voice catch. And that's always a clue to me. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. There's something there. And so, and I just kind of listened. And as I listened, she said, well, I shouldn't feel this way. Like I should. And I'm like, why, why are you saying you shouldn't feel like you're going through a transition? You're basically grieving what was and moving towards what is. And, and I, it just hit me that she'd been navigating this for a while, afraid to have a conversation with me because I don't know if afraid is the word. I think maybe a little, I think we're afraid that people are going to judge us, right? Like you shouldn't feel that way, fear of rejection. And then also putting judgment on our feelings, I think so too. I think that sometimes we've been told, we've been given those absolutes. You should never do this, or you can't say that. Or, And so I think if anytime our loved ones want to veer from that, I think they feel this weight of, well, I know, I know I'm not supposed to do this or I'm not supposed to, and it's healthy. I'm so glad that your daughter said something to you because you caught onto that, that she was under some obligation to not have a certain feeling. And I think it's so freeing. And we've been talking about that, that it's so freeing to just be able to lay everything out on the table um, and be able to say, this is what I'm feeling. I don't know how you're feeling, but this is how I'm feeling. And, and here's a step further is to say, and I want to ask your forgiveness for any part that I've caused you to feel this way, because it's, it's, it's really to me, keeping our accounts current with each other. So even if we don't think that we've done wrong, but maybe we've done a little bit, you know, we can still take responsibility for that small part. And I honestly, when I go to my kids and have said, 
I want to ask your forgiveness for how I spoke to you today. You know, they may not be thinking it's, it was that big of a deal, but in my heart, I know I've done everything I can to not create any roadblocks in our relationship. So keeping the account clear and that just creates and promotes health for bigger things down the road is that they've seen that I will take responsibility for the little things and hopefully the big things too. So I think that's what you were doing with your daughter. And I love that. I had asked my Facebook community just their thoughts, like as far as moving towards increased relational health. And one person had mentioned how it's hard if you acknowledge something that you did and then people don't respond well. So like, let's say my daughter had came to me and she said, you know, this is how I'm feeling. And I came and I came back to her with criticism or judgment. And I think that can be hard. And I think that can be sometimes what keeps us from speaking out But the one thing I kind of thought as I was processing through that, when we go back to that cup analogy, we don't have to own their reaction if we've done what we know is Christ honoring. Mm -hmm. I think so too. One of the biggest things that my mom learned and that I've learned as well is that we need to release our need to be right in a relationship and as overachievers and and people that want to be driven and do the right things all the time, we have this sense, this need to be right. And I think that's one of the things that I've had to learn to let go that I can be just as loving in a relationship and to see that I was wrong. In addition to releasing our need to be right in a relationship, I also think that it's really good when we can ask to give feedback to, you know, to be able to say, are you okay if I give you some feedback on what you just shared or Um, are you okay if I make a suggestion? Because it's so honoring to the other person that you would ask them if it's okay for you to share something. It doesn't feel like you're just zooming in and giving advice, but you're asking, is it okay if I share this with you? Um, I just think that's so important that we can honor other people by asking, is it okay if I share this with you? So that we aren't just assuming that they want to hear our advice. And that's, that's big, especially between mothers and daughters and other close relationships is for us to not feel like we're just advice givers, but we need to be good listeners and good askers of questions. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think too, if we sense, you know, when, when you talked about the need to be right, or sometimes we have that gut reaction that rises within, I think it's good to hit pause and say, okay, what's really going on? Why do I feel the need to be right in this situation? Or why am I so anxious when you give advice? And, and sometimes I think we'll find, I know my daughter, she'd said when she was a young adult and I would give her advice and she would push back or, or tense up. She told me later, it's because she felt like she was failing as an adult. And so my advice to her just confirmed. And so I was really pricking her anxiety. And if I had known that I would have pulled back and addressed the anxiety instead of trying to give, to give the advice. Well, I want to end with probably what I think is one of the most important aspects of this is, is inviting God, you know, being honest with, with God in this journey. And I think sometimes that takes courage as well. It does because sometimes we can think, well, God could have given me a different family. I could have been born in a different family. You know, how, how did he allow this to happen? Or why is he allowing this to happen now? You know, God sees my pain. God sees the difficulty that I'm having. Um, couldn't he have, you know, taken me out of this situation? And so, you know, I, I always think about the fact that 
we, we make choices and sometimes people make choices that affect us and, and God has such the ability to reach in and provide healing, but we have to be willing to go to him and say, God, I need healing here and acknowledge what we're asking of him because he so delights in giving us what we desire and what he sees as good for us. And so we live in a fallen world where difficult things happen and, and none of us tune to it. Um, and, you know, scripture reminds us too, that it's not when, but it's, it's not if, but it's when the troubles come and the tri- tribulation and that Jesus will be with us. We aren't in this alone. And so, um, you know, when it comes to relationships, I just like to think that restoration with other people was never meant to fill us. Only God can fill those places of our hearts that long for restoration, that long for things to be made right again. But we can certainly do everything in our part to, to pursue that. But the biggest piece is asking him, God, show me what you want me to do in this situation. God, can you break through here and provide the restoration that I need in this relationship? Can you give me the relational health that I need? And so it's just a lot of prayer, but I tell you, that's what centered me in the ups and downs of relationships and difficulties and, and disappointments is to just say, God, what would you, what would you have me look at during this time? God, what is it that you want me to see? And give me the strength. Like, I know that you're with me, um, but I need to see you tangibly in these relationships and in these situations. So an increased prayer life is certainly something that I I think goes a long way. And, And sometimes we do everything but pray, right? I'm guilty of that too. Sometimes we talk to friends and we talk to spouses or others and, and yet really needing to go to Father God and talk to Him about it. Amen. Well, that is a perfect way to end this episode, I think, is just reminding us of where our power lies, where our wisdom lies. Well, Blythe, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jennifer. And her book is called Mended, Restoring the Hearts of Mothers and Daughters. And I'll put put that in our show notes. And I hope today encouraged you. I hope it gave you some things to think about. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and then you won't miss a single episode. Make sure to rate it. That helps others to find it and encourages our team as well and share it with your friends. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.